freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. Brock Ewart is my hero. Jay Buter just punched me in the kidney. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports. I want to do you a minute. not really work that way, Sherm. This is a show that has my name on it. It's kind of tough, though. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen and Ballard. Now here are your hosts, Brock Ewart and Mike Salk. Hello! Yep, Scott says the Mariners won in a very unique way yesterday, Brock, and it's a way that I thought might pique your interest. I don't know if you heard this sound yet, but let me play it for you today. Mariners won, right? Nice win yesterday. They score eight runs, eight to four. Luis Castillo kind of settled down after a little iffiness early and kind of got it going. But the true offense. That, true that there's a pottery wheel in the clubhouse and you I, were down there? I was, yeah. After I was out the there second inning, trying to down help there, out. Trying hey, to get him going. Let's get on that wheel together, Luis, and <laughs> see if we can make this thing happen. Uh, but he went seven innings and he struck out seven guys and kind of did his thing and gave up two, two earned runs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, after the game, they score eight runs and Scott was asked about what he liked uh, about their approach and said. Well, it's very selfless. Hmm, let me continue. And I think that's, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, where we're at in the season and and what we need to do to put a good streak together. And it's no coincidence when you're selfless like that and you give yourself up for the team, all of a sudden, instead of just getting one run, we ended up with three runs that inning because we're doing the right things and executing there. So, uh, again, Cal doesn't get any hits tonight. But in my mind, he might have had one of the bigger at-bats tonight. Uh, in the game because it, it just moves the game along. Gino follows it up, like I said. Jared gets the momentum going with the stolen base and, you know, a really nice offensive game. Mm. So they were selfless last night, Brock. What do you make of that? Mm-hmm. I like that. How about that? How about that, as Ted Lasso would say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was believe, right? It was the Ted Lasso, like, poster up there that uh, that, that got put out in the outfield. So how about, how about that selflessness? How about that, boys? Well, how, about, how about we do the little things? Well, but when you say and praise them for being selfless, what's left unsaid, <laughs> right? <laughs> what's going on in those other games where you only generate a couple of hits and not many chances and don't really do anything and look flat. Mm-hmm. Is it the opposite? Is it, and, and you were out when we had Divish on last week and he said, yeah, there've been some times where it sure sounds like Scott's calling his team out for being selfish. Yeah. And when he's praising them for being selfless, I, I can't help but go there. Mm-hmm. So good on him. He's he's trying whatever he can to get this team to buy into a process, to an approach, to working together as a group. I got to tell you, of all the things, this is never – I never thought that this team would need this conversation. Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple things. Let's put a little asterisk by why I think that that's been a little bit of a battle. But let me give a little uh, – let me give a three-minute in shout-out. And this is a familiar shout-out. This isn't like our, our buddy outside of tonight. No, this is a familiar one because I don't think there's a, a social media presence that you and I quote as much, certainly during baseball season, as we do Luke Arkins. Right? He, he does a great job uh, writing. He's got a great uh, – over there on Twitter, at Luke underscore Arkins. And this was yesterday, Saul. So this was before that game, before those comments. He wrote a good piece where he said, although it's a military term, and that's Luke's background, quote-unquote, unit cohesion has an ap- applicability to a baseball team, in my opinion. Players demonstrating their commitment to their teammates and to the team's overall success through their deeds is paramount to winning baseball hmm. and that whole comment about focus. Right. And I think that that was a lot of what, uh, what Luke had, had chewed on and thought about and Jerry's comments that we played yesterday, those comments from Divish and just kind of taking it all in unit cohesion, military term, but that is what selfless is. 
that is what, you know, seeing extra pitches is. That's what a sack fly is. That's what moving a runner over is. Correct? And those are things through 80 games that we just haven't seen a ton of. And I don't think it's because you got a bunch of bad guys. I don't think it's because this is a bunch of inherently selfish humans through their baseball career. I think you got a bunch of guys pressing. I think you got a bunch of guys in contract years. I think you got a bunch of guys trying to avoid sophomore slumps. I think there's a multitude of factors that lead, and all of a sudden you kind of get more and more of that toothpaste out, and you realize, dang, we aren't really playing for one another. We are rather independent contractors, all looking out for the Mariners still, but really trying to do our own individual jobs mm-hmm. well. You agree? I, I think that that's been more of a challenge this year than I ever would have thought. Of all the things that I would have guessed could have gone wrong this year, that is not one I ever would have imagined would be in our conversation. I did not think we would have that conversation because of the previous two ninety-one cultures that we saw. I mean, how it it just sure and and because of the vibe at spring training and all of it, it just it felt impossible that that would be the conversation. But here we are, almost three months into this season. And we, we're talking about chemistry. We're talking about buy-in. We're talking about approach. We're talking about selfishness versus selflessness. Like, I, I, I didn't think any of those things would be the case. Now, is it possible that when the vibes are off, one moment can completely change those vibes? Maybe. Last year, we brought up the brawl and what that did, and there were some other sort of things leading up to that, and it sounds like there were some call-out meetings as well. Is it possible that Jared Kelnick, Brock, changed everything vibe-wise with his commitment to John I belong among West Virginia. Mountain Mama. Mountain Mama? Are you drumming there? I don't know. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with the Do I care? Did you hear the the crowd yesterday? Come on, Joe. What are you drumming? Bring this team together, Joe. Okay. Just, just a, just a love song. Tell me this doesn't make you feel good. I this does not make me feel good. But I, I like, I like this bit. If that makes yeah. sense. Like I'm not yeah. in doubt about it. I think the song's. Juicy. And if you were, and if you were to walk out the 26 Mariners in a roll call and yeah. say, which one of these suckers picked uh, Country Roads to bring people together? Which one of these 26? Do you think you would have come up with Kelnick? Uh, actually, no. Right. No. I, I was, I, it's sort of shocking, but good on him, man. He is a unique little character. I was honestly, I was just like chilling, listening to s- some music at home. And uh, I was like, man, like whenever if I would go to like a karaoke spot, I would sing the song. Like that's the first song that I would sing. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to put this in walk up, see if we can get people to sing along. And people are loving it, you know? Yeah. You can feel it, right? Uh, you yeah. heard them all singing along there? Oh, yeah. It's, the it's awesome. It's awesome. Like, when when the crowd gets into it, man, like, I just feel like as a team, we just feed off of that. And, you know, I, I think it's sick. Is Jared Kelnick blaming Mariner fans for their struggles this year? Your call's next. No. Uh, good on Jared, man. He, he First of all, he is, he is unique. Right, I mean, he—he is—he is is unlike anybody on this team, and he's got his swagger going right now. Brock, here's a little bit more from Kelnick. I thought you'd like this. Yeah, I mean, twelve hits usually gets it done. Good today. Um, (laughs) There's more to that clip, but it doesn't matter. That's the part I like. See you later, dude. It's sick. Yeah, man. I I mean, listening uh, to music, bro. I was listening. I was chilling. I was like, it's sick. 
we're going to get people singing along. Hey, do you like what, the you team's offense get them along like, Yeah, I mean, uh, 12 hits usually gets it done. <laughs> like, he's, 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 he's different, man, in a yeah. way that I've always really enjoyed. You know what comes after Country Roads? Selling, you know, 30 packs of Bush Lights. Oh, and by the way, yeah. Justin, by, like, the, you know, by the way, my pal Nils, journey. very offended, listening to the podcast yesterday, said, don't you ever call them Bush Lattes. Oh, All right? fair, fair, <laughs> so, fair. That's just was, what we... That's, I was reading yeah. about how, how Bush Light now has like a peach version. Peach? Oh, yeah, they have an apple. Oh, yeah. What are we doing? Orange. What is happening? You gotta get the apple one in the fall. Do you? Yeah. I don't know whether you have to get it at all. I don't. It doesn't sound like something. Country I really roads need in my and life. bush light bring it all together. Let's go. Brock, I uh, I'm giving my stamp of approval on country roads, even though it's not necessarily a song that I would have Give chosen. Give me one more time on the way here's, out. Give it to here's me one more why. Time. Yeah. It was real. This was not fake. This mm-hmm. was not stick riz. And the Maple Grove created as some sort of King's Court light. This was real. It it happened naturally and genuinely from one of the players out into the crowd, and that's the way it's supposed to go. So maybe Jared Kelnick will save this season. Maybe this will be the thing to unite all of the factions or whatever the heck is going on and get everybody moving in the right direction. It'll get us to do Need to Know next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, SeattleSports.com. Play that beat, Brock. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Yeah, it didn't start off all that great, but you know what? It's how it ends, Brock. You can't win the game in the first quarter. You can't lose the game in the first inning. Mariners fell behind 1-0, 3-1, but then finished a lot better. They scored seven straight runs in the middle innings. Julio had three hits, J.P. Crawford two, Mike Ford with two, and then Eugenio Suarez got it done. Windup and the old one swinging a well-hit ball deep to left field, down the line, way gone, and this one is a fair ball. Goodbye, baseball. The only question whether that ball was going to stay there, it did. It got out. Number eight on the year for Eugenio Suarez. And it's now the Nationals three and the Mariners two. Castillo struggled a little early, figured it out, went seven innings, only allowed two earned runs, plus one more unearned, struck out seven. Bullpen was good until all of a sudden... So Sato had a little hiccup in the ninth. The next thing you know, Seawold has to come in with the tying run at the plate, and he got a gift to finish it off. And the one-two on the way, and it's strike three called on the outside corner. He did it, and the ball game is over. That's a nice way of saying it. I think Goldsmith had it right when he said, what did he say, Justin? (laughs) Okay. Strike three. If you you say so. (laughs) Yeah, that was was about a foot outside, but hey, he'll take it. Yeah, no no doubt about it. You add that one to the finale in New York, the opener in Baltimore, and that is three different outings with crooked numbers, three different three different games where you scored in multiple innings, and you did it in multiple different ways. The Baltimore opener, I think what was so appealing about that, right, it, was, it wasn't just the long ball. It wasn't just the power that was turned on. It was just moving along, moving the lineup along, moving the runners along, just doing just here's a single, there's a single. Everybody got a single. Everybody got an RBI. And nice to see the entirety, right? I will know when this offense gets going and this team will win more than four games. I will know that when this offense does it collectively. It's not the front end of the lineup. 
the top end of the lineup. It's not the back end of the lineup. It's not just hitting home runs. It is the entire group collectively doing it. And last night was a great example of that. 100%. Uh, they'll get back to it tonight. Brian Wu against Jake Irvin. Mariners try to keep it going. Although, Brock, I get it. When you, when you beat teams that aren't very good, it's hard to get too excited because we've kind of seen it before. So take care of business and get yourself ready for Tampa Bay, who comes in next. Here's the second thing you need to well, know. Another season, another group of awards, and another uh, Rookie of the Year here in Seattle. And the Calder Memorial Trophy goes to... Matty Bunnell! A lot of excitement there, Brock. Country roads take me home and to a, the place. Unsurprisingly, Beneers was uh, very gracious. Start off by, you know, thanking the people that have got me to this point. You know, obviously my my awesome family that has been here every every step of the way. You know, since I was a little kid and up until this year. So, obviously, the Seattle Kraken organization, support staff, coaches. You know, you guys gave me that opportunity and you guys, uh, you know, supported me all throughout this year. So thank you for that. You know, the boys, my teammates, I love you guys. And you guys were so great. You taught me so much this year. You were a big part and, you know, a huge reason to why I'm up here today. So so thank you to them. And then finally, you know, Seattle, you guys were were great all year. And you guys made made playing at Climate Pledge Arena. It was so fun. So uh, thank you to them. And, you know, I love you. I love all you fans. The boys. Well done, Beneers. Well done. That was that was authentic. You talk about being real, right? Like Jared Kilnick being real mm-hmm. and thinking about that song and bringing people together. That was that was totally authentic. That wasn't just reading through a script in a list. Uh, that, that was pretty neat. And by the way, it wasn't close. I mean, he was a runaway oh, yeah. winner when you looked at the totals and and add in to Kyle Lewis and Julio and well, nearly Ken and Tariq. And there have been some uh, rookie. Rookie power over the last two, three years. Tomorrow, the start of the NHL draft. uh, Free agency starts later this weekend. Uh, Kind of an interesting trade yesterday, Brock. I want to dig into a little bit more deeply in a few minutes, but I don't know if you saw what happened. Taylor Hall uh, went from Boston to Chicago. In and of itself, maybe not that interesting kind of a salary dump from Boston. Taylor Hall, though, is a former number one overall pick. The year it was uh, him and, and Tyler Sagan. Both were like considered to be incredible prospects, and they went with Hall first in Edmonton. He hasn't quite worked out to that level, but he's been a good, productive player for a long time. What? It, why is it interesting that he's going to Chicago? Well, what's Chicago going to do tomorrow night? They're going to draft Connor Bedard, who is supposed to be, you know, Gretzky-like, McDavid-like kind of generational talent. Make any sense that they would bring in somebody with that history, veteran, well-respected like Taylor Hall right before they do? Sounds a lot like something you said about Julio yesterday, and we'll dig in more deeply here in 10 minutes. Here's the third thing you need to know. Yo, Brock, every time you tell me to watch something that I've been missing out on, I do, and it disappoints. And last night was no different. I watched the deciding game of the College World Series, and it was 18-4. Easy, easy, okay. I really Kelsey enjoyed it, Plum. I enjoyed college it. College basketball, Caitlin Clark, not everything right. I tell you to like, watch. You're always like, hey, watch the NBA game. It's different. It's better. I'm like, no, it's the same. It's still lousy. Anyway, I, I see it, though. I, you know, I was telling Justin earlier. Despite the just uninteresting game last night, what are you going to do? It was just a blowout. I, I think I could get into it. I could absolutely get into the college baseball, and I think I'd like a reminder to get into it next year. Well, you're going to see when the baseball draft comes along, uh, lots and lots and lots of these dudes, less and less high schoolers, because these guys are, are staying in school. They're transferring. They're developing. They're getting paid. 
I, I think the minor leagues better be careful here because I think college baseball is being infused with some of this NIL money, Ms. Hulk, mm-hmm. and especially down south. I mean, you go and watch LSU play down south, and as I told you, Molly and Titus were in the stands for the opener, and it was like, oh, I think they're going to have the top three crazy. picks in the draft, right? Uh, Florida's going to probably have their third baseman left field or one of their hitters okay. is going to be mixed in there, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then you throw in the rest of Wake Forest. Uh, the ACC and the SEC. Yeah. I mean, they are 4A baseball. It's 4A baseball. And we didn't even get to see Skeens. He didn't even have to pitch the 6'6", 255-pound just flamethrower I was telling you to go watch. Yeah. He, unfortunately, well, fortunately for LSU, didn't have to throw. And just a wipeout blowout in the Tigers. And, by the way, do you know who the athletic director is down at LSU? No. Do you remember the name Scott Woodward? Oh, yeah, I did know that. He is still there. How about yeah, Scott yeah. Woodward's year? LSU women, basketball, national champs, men's baseball, national champs, Brian Kelly, New Year's Six Bowl. That guy is a unique character, but he's got a fairly golden touch when it comes to hiring coaches. Interesting. All right, that is everything you need to know. The only other thing I'll throw out there, did you notice this yesterday, Brock? Uh, Country Roads? I did. It was awesome. The ATP, Top Men's Tennis Tour. See what they're doing? Oh, you're talking to, talking to those guys in the desert? Talking to the Saudi PIP fund about some funding. Oh, oh interesting. Not a surprise, just a couple of weeks after the Live Golf thing. Mm. So we'll see where it goes from there, but just keep your eye on that story because something tells me it is one that's going to continue to percolate on down the road. All right, uh, why did I bring up this uh, random NHL trade and relate it to Julio Rodriguez? Because Brock said one of the smartest things I've heard him say in 15 years together yesterday, or maybe it's only been four. What's the difference? It's next. Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710, clsports.com. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. You're so smart, Brock. You really are. No. No, you are. You're a no, smart guy. No, no, no. You just You're forget. You're a smart how, guy. You forget the stuff I say. No. So that's good. Yes. I don't forget anything you say. I've I've got it all in one vault. I, uh-huh. I keep it like a hard drive. Uh, I unplug it every now and again and kind of move it over. Like I've got a five hard drive smartest people show. you've ever met in your life. Go. More adjusting as well. Five smartest. No, just give me a couple. Would you let, no, you know what? I'm not getting distracted by talking about people no one's ever heard of. Jeez. Don't be you ridiculous. Want me to do it? Shut yeah, your go mouth. Ahead. <laughs> Thank you, Mar. Much appreciated. I told Salk to shut his mouth earlier and someone texted that. <laughs> All right. So, Brock. Uh, you shut your mouth. Brock. What? You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. That's right. You said some very smart things yesterday. And I uh, I tweeted it out yesterday. Justin made me a nice video of it, and I tweeted out some of your thoughts on Julio because I thought what you said was was brilliant, and I think it was very true. Saying that the Mariners needed rather than to let Julio and put everything on him, they should have protected him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I interpret. I, I should give you a chance to clarify. I interpreted that as being more, not necessarily entirely but more about the clubhouse, the leadership and all of that stuff. Cause that's what we were talking about at the time. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people maybe heard what they wanted to hear and heard it as that you can do more patches, just spend more money. And well, I think it's a little bit, I think it's a little bit of all of that. Things. Sure. I think they actually blend together. Yeah. This, the roster construction and the mm-hmm. focus should have been a little bit more of protecting him rather than just expecting him. 
rather than, and, and, you know, some of that comes with a, an enormous payday. That's, that's what happens. Like you get paid a 10 year deal and taken care of. And I don't think any of us begrudge that at all. Um, I'm, it's wonderful that he wanted it. It's wonderful. They got the deal done, but with that comes an immense, an immense amount inherently, or, or just all the external pressures of expectation to perform. And now you then have to make sure you surround him from a leadership standpoint, from someone that can take the arrow standpoint from a, well, this is his personality. This is the way he's going to go about it. And, and we want him to be that joy guy. And we want, but we better bring in some, I don't know, maybe a little abrasion and a little rough and gruff to surround whatever mm-hmm. it is, but having then a focus to make sure you protect him and you protect him in the lineup and you protect it. You protect a young budding star. Because I think even I, yeah. though he made the game look so easy last year, you know, I know Jerry and Scott know this game is not easy. Yeah, and it's up and down, and it's nonlinear, and all the things we've talked about. I, I would argue that they went out of their way and tried to protect him in the lineup. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think they said Julio's going to be the only guy in this lineup. They had Suarez from last year, and they went out and got Tay Oscar. Like, I, I would argue they needed to do more, but I don't think they just said, "Ah, eh, Julio will figure it out." In the lineup. I, I just, I don't, I don't think that's the case. No, but they thought even with Teo and Suarez and that he would grow in those guys, they are not eight war guys, right? I mean, they're, they're three, four war guys and they would fit in, but he needs to be a seven, eight war guy. I don't know that they needed that. Well, that's not what he was uh, last year, right? He was six last year, something like that. Five or six. Well, from June to September, he was about a 12. True. <laughs> so, take away April <laughs> and May. Very right? true. Yeah. So June, July, August, September, October, yeah. he was pretty, pretty good. Pretty darn good. And, you know, historically, and, that, and we don't need to get back into that roster rebuild. It is over. It is done. That story has been told a gazillion times. I'm sure we'll, if they continue to struggle or be inconsistent, we'll continue to be brought up. But, yes, um, I think that there I, was. I guess here's the thing. Finding eight war players is hard. Not that easy to do. Nope. Finding a veteran who could take some of the pressure off of Julio and help in the clubhouse is easy. Yep. And so, like, I, I, I understand. Well, we that it, we, hold on a second. Well, it should be easy. We think it should be easy. Are we sure leadership is that easy to characterize and define in this day and age? Are we sure? Or was actually last year Santana just an enormous blessing, an enormous wow. That was not – we we thought it, we, he would be good in that way, but he was off the charts you know, good that's a, that's a good. That's a fair question, Brock. Maybe it's not as easy as I, as I make it out to be. Fair point. But – Ten years ago, easier. It should still be easier than finding and getting an eight-war player to come to your team yep. and and do everything you want him to do and succeed. I don't know. It feels like something that should be possible. It should be. Yeah, I, I think it should be. But I think we got to be careful. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we, you're right. We, right? We've had this conversation about the challenge of, of being a leader in this day and age and the prerequisites that go with that, Salk. And remember, remember what he was last year. He checked a lot of boxes from just being bilingual yep. to his history to some massive production to playoff run. Like there were a lot of boxes he checked that as you start to go around and you look at additions and you go, wow, maybe <laughs> maybe that wasn't that easy. And you know what? Maybe even if we were shocked, and I saw you responding uh, in the social media realm last night, maybe they were shocked at what was the, the money thrown early to Santana. Mm-hmm. They should have just said, that, that don't matter. Like, we, uh, let we, me ask we, you. When Santana, because that was the obvious place that a lot of people went, and for good reason, right? I mean, it's really frustrating knowing that the Mariners are paying AJ Pollock more than the Pirates are paying Carlos Santana. 
I mean, like, that is just like a knife to the gut every time mm-hmm. you think about it. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, how is that even possible that that is occurring? It's so frustrating. But the history of it is, let's remember how it went down. Right at the very beginning of the offseason, the Pirates offered him a whole bunch more money than anybody thought he was worth. And the Mariners said, God, we really like him, but we just we, we don't think that he's the Mariners worth made that. a raise move. If they didn't make a raise move with Suarez, they made a raise move with that. I don't even saying, think it was a raise move. They just said, no, but that's insane. Why would anybody pay that much money for Carlos Santana? We'll have an opportunity to do better now in that position. Mm-hmm. They did not. They mm-hmm. failed in that job. And unfortunately, uh, it turns out they really, you know, needed him, I think, more than we realized at the time when Carlos Santana went elsewhere. Did you have any concern about it? No, me neither. No, because I thought a little bit like you that, well, you'll find the next Carlos Santana. Or if you need him, you just go trade for him again because the Pirates will stink, mm-hmm. which, by the way, you could still probably do. The Pirates, by the way, are bad again. I know they were good a couple, like a month ago. They're bad again. They're talking about trading Andrew McCutcheon. Like, they're bad again. You want to go trade for Carlos Santana? Yes. Kind of, yeah. Me too. Kind of be your everyday DH, switch hitting Um, everyday DH or close to it? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, certainly you've got an extra roster spot right now. AJ Pollock's been a waste. Uh, you know, can you bring him in and maybe he pairs with Mike Ford and one hits lefties? And I, I kind of forget the details on what Santana's right. better at, but you know, like, could you find a way? Sure. I can't cost you that much to go trade for Carlos Santana, especially if they're bad. Mm-hmm. He'd love to come back here. He loved it here by all accounts. Like, yeah, go trade for Carlos Santana. Mm-hmm. More and I were just talking about this off the air or in the studio about how it's not so simple to plug and play a veteran like that, right? Like, they're, nope. you can't just be on a team and be like, oh, good, our veteran's here. We can start doing this now, or we're going to have some leadership now. There's some chemistry, rapport, some back and forth, some trust. Yep. And we learned last year that Santana had that with Julio, both being from the Dominican, and I think they had worked out together already. But, like, the, is that something you look into? Like, if you're a GM... Is that some part of the equation? You're like, do they? Do these guys have, you have a friendship to. already? Do you they have the same to. agent? Do they have the same? Do you you have to, like, but it's not that easy to nope. do. I mean, uh, it, that seems to be <laughs> a think challenge. how many years we have talked about leadership voids. Think about how many years, all you know, through the Don Wakamatsu yep. era and all the different years, and and even frankly, like that wasn't who Seeker was. And you know, some of the best sound that I've personally enjoyed was DK Metcalf and his vulnerability this off season, saying, "Yeah, like uh, square peg round hole." Like <laughs> that that wasn't me, leadership wise. Like I, that's not who I am. It's it's hard to find that leadership, that guy that can be. You know, we, we talk about it with coaches having a connective tissue. I brought that up yesterday. And that, it's hard for coaches. It's hard for leaders to, to have that ability to, to, to truly connect with people. Yeah. And I think we're seeing less and less of that in this day and age than we did 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 so, years so ago. So people are texting. I wanted Santana a month ago. Well, a month ago, they weren't going to trade Carlos Santana because the Pirates were in it. Right now, today, the Pirates have lost nine of their last ten. They're in a free fall. They're, they don't have pitching. They don't have just not, they don't have all those pieces. Nope. And let's be real. Carlos Santana is on a one-year, $6.5 million deal. Six seven five. And how is he hitting? How is he? Is he slowed down? How is he hitting this year? Yeah. Uh, let me see. Um, this would, by, would be, by the way, if they were to do it, the third time Jerry DePoto has traded for Carlos <laughs> Santana here in Seattle. Isn't that amazing? 
He was part of the J.P. Crawford deal, and they immediately spun him off. And then uh, he was obviously j- traded for last year as well. Uh, right now, Carlos Santana's hitting 225 with an OPS of 675. Okay. Not ideal. Not great. He's got six home runs. Yeah. Not, a, not, not ideal. Not, not, not size. Not, not ideal. <laughs> He'd fit right in here, though, uh, I think you would say. Where was he last year? Kansas City? When he was in Kansas City, yeah. and he did nothing for no, them. No, I you think might... he's even worse. Well, yeah, he hit uh, he hit 216 for Kansas City yes. with all of four home runs. Uh-huh, he yeah. came to Seattle. Well, you know what his batting average was? Not great. Here no, last 220. Year? 192, <laughs> by the way, for all of the, like, I can't believe they let Carlos Santana go. He hit 192, had an OPS of 693. I Which mean, is he, why the $6.75 million right, thrown his way felt was ridiculous a little, a little at the but time. He, he, like, had a he had knack 50, for hitting timely. He had 15 yes, he home runs, yeah. many of which were very timely. He had Absolutely. 15 with Seattle he last had year? 15 home runs wow. with Seattle last year, which helped. Wow. Make up for the fact that he hit 192. And they were, to Morris point, the win. It was the win he hit he those He hit him in big Same moments. Part of that Blue Jay yep. series. Absolutely. Oh, man. He hit them in big moments for sure. But, I mean, like, you look at those numbers, right? I mean, a sub-700 OPS yep. last year, et cetera, and say, I mean, that's basically what A.J. Pollock was. I mean, basically the same. Pollock was an 891 or 681 OPS. He was 690 something. So they were basically identical. He had 15 home runs for the Mariners, plus four more in Kansas City. Pollock had 14 home runs last year. They're around the same age. I mean, it's like, yep. you know, like it, it's, it seems ridiculous. But one right lifts now. other people up. And one, that's not been his background. True. On the other hand, one plays a position that you can fill in elsewhere. And the other is you needed help in case Jared Kelnick didn't do it. True. And so, like, I I can understand why they did it. But I think we can similarly say that it wasn't the right thing. By the way, Carlos Santana, older than A.J. Pollock. I mean, like, you put all of those things together. He's older than you, right? Isn't isn't he? Carlos Santana is not older than me. No, he's he's, uh, 37 this year, I believe. But thank you for for saying so. That's nice. You bet. Yeah, that's right. So you want that move? You're going to make that move? We're going to name a player to be named later? We're going to find an arm somewhere in our system? Is there... Is that something? I mean, how much longer? AJ Pollock's hardly even playing. I mean, By the, the way, what's the downside? can I say? I got to say something. Yeah, this was out on Twitter last night. I don't know if you saw it, but I, it was a totally accurate. Maybe it was Lookout Line. I don't know who it was, but they're right. Mike Ford's a handsome man. He is. Yeah, we have not even brought for all of you and I, especially. That's our pedigree. That is what we have hit on and landed on more than any other show. We have we have talked about the aesthetics. He's a he's a he's a handsome man. He's a handsome man, and he is, and he's doing well. He's he's second on this team, and I know it's limited at bats, but he's second right now on this team in OPS behind Jared Kelnick. And once again, he's got a couple hits last night and moves people along. And I mean, are we going to continue to see Mike Ford? I mean, you got to let Mike Ford run out, right, and run out of gas before you move on from him. Yes. But that will likely happen. I mean, like that's it will the likely. history. It will right? likely. I mean, like, it will eventually, likely. that will probably happen. It will likely happen. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? Of course you're going to keep playing him. 
right? I mean, he's hitting. And we're, get, and we're getting near July here. So, you know, we're starting to see a few little trades made. As you said, the Pirates have indicated through McCutcheon. Is McCutcheon somebody you're interested in? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it sounds like Texas is the team that really is kind oh, of going great. hard after oh, McCutcheon. So I don't great. I don't know whether you're in a spot right now. But I know they've always liked him. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a player they've, they've always had some interest in. So, yeah, I guess that would be a possibility. But, you know, I remember when, when Santana left, one of the things was like, yeah, you can always go trade for him. Yep. Okay, well, then go do that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like, if, if it solves some of the problems you've got and you've got an empty roster spot because A.J. Pollock is, is a waste of one right now, go deal. You don't have to give up that much to get him. Go get him, bring him back, and, and mm-hmm. reunite him with this group. Maybe that's the thing they need, and it just and sort of Julio gets them a little going protection, again. Man. Give Julio a little joy. Give Julio the opportunity to take a little step back from some of the bright right. lights that he has been under, the microscope that he has been under, and, and have, a, right. have a veteran there. I'm sure that will Justin Holland is listening to this right now like, you idiots. <laughs> of course we're not doing that. Well, what are you do, guys crazy? Do you think Robbie Ray being out has some of that, too, because we oh. learned that he ended up being a vocal guy last year? Absolutely could Good be. Good point. Now, I mean, like, you know, nothing is static. Things do change over time. Things are are not exactly the same forever and ever. And Robbie Ray not being there. Marco now hasn't been there for the last month almost. Any right? update on Marco? Any I haven't. Update? I haven't. We asked Jerry last week, and he said no update. So we're just sort of in a wait and see mode mm. there. So yeah, put all those things together, and it's probably not a huge surprise, even though it is that some of the chemistry and some of the buy-in has not been quite what we thought it would have been this year. Right now, the blue eighty-eight. This is Brock and Sog's Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Sog. All right, three good football questions for Brock. We will start here uh, with this offensive line, Brock. If if the Seahawks are going to continue to get better this year, the offensive line is going to need to continue to step forward. And generally, that means someone's got to be the leader of that unit. Is it going to be Abe Lucas? I think it is going to be Abe Lucas. We've heard some of those rumblings from behind the scenes that, that he would be the one. And if you meet Abe, he, it's it's a little bit like meeting Max Unger. Remember Max Unger years ago? You know, we sat down with him a few different times, and, and Max was an art major at, at Oregon, kind of a unique, eccentric guy in some ways, and wasn't like the loudest. He's not Robbie Tobeck. Like, you meet Robbie Tobeck, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, you're, you're the guy. Lots to say. <laughs> you meet Jeff Saturday, you're like, oh, okay, yeah. You're, you're the mouthpiece. Like, there, there's no question about it. Like, yep, you met Max Unger, and you're like, nice guy, great guy. And you meet Abe Lucas, and I think you say the exact same thing. Nice guy, great guy. And I think others just follow that. And, oh, by the way, throw on super productive player. There was a great clip of, uh, of Gino mic'd up that the Seahawks put out yesterday. Not great for necessarily radio because it kind of goes all over the place. Uh, and, he, and he's chatting with all sorts of different guys, coaches, other players. But there was a little dialogue he had with Abe Lucas. And Gino went up to him and was like, hey, man, remember last year? Or you'd ask me all the time, how's the protection? How's the protection? How's the protection? Like, you know, and, and that's that's the lineman's job, man. They are a protector. Mm. They don't see the whole picture. I think I think a lot of times, right, as we watch these games because of television, we see the whole picture. These right tackles, you know what they see? The DN in front of them, right? The stunt in front of them. Like, their world and their scope is so small. Maybe they see the bomb deep down the field or the running back squirt through if it's on his side and he washes you down. And, but by and large, man, they are in a just a grizzly bear fight 
mono y mono each play. So I kind of chuckled because I had linemen like that too. Hey man, how was the production? It was good, Abe. Well, I can't see it, okay? I'm just asking. <laughs> I, I'm, I want to be here to protect you. Don't get on me. Okay, I'm not getting on you. Keep protecting. You're doing a great job. I thought that was a little cool. I thought that was a little cool window into some of that dialogue and him being quite possibly some of that voice moving forward. Good to hear. All right, question number two. Uh, big day for UW, even over the last couple of days. A whole bunch of commits uh, jumping in here. Brock, how are how is recruiting going for UW right now? So this is this is pretty neat, man. It's and it's different. And in this day and age, transfer portal, nil money. High school recruiting is vastly different, right? When the portal is open, they go after it. You know, it's almost a, it's always been a year long process, high school recruiting, but now it's so choppy. And and I, I've learned to appreciate what Kalen does here, Kalen DeBoer, and what he believes in, right, wrong. And there's others that don't do it this way, but he believes in bringing an entire group in together. So he brought some 20 of their top prospects in, Salk, and he wanted them all together. He wanted them over the weekend. He wanted them on campus and in the facilities and eating together. And guess what that does? For the fifth time in two days, a little connected tissue. Hey, man, you like this? Man, let's, let's commit here. I love this play, right? It just starts some of that. And there were a lot of Husky fans, like, very impatient. They hadn't had hardly – they did not have a defensive – high school recruit committed for their upcoming class until this group came in and yesterday four of them committed three of them on the defensive line and a linebacker they beat ucla for a pretty good linebacker out of southern california so a little different approach to it uh yesterday i think they had seven alone all three and four star guys commit but his approach is to bring them all together Right, just one big family. Put some of that group pressure, some of that peer pressure on one another as they get together. It's not the coach pressuring them, right? It's some of those other guys in the recruiting class pressuring them and say, "Hey, man, let's do this thing. Let's do it all together." It's not a formula that all other teams use. It's one he believes in, and it paid a lot of dividends yesterday. Interesting. All right, question number three. It sounds like the Jets are going to be the uh, choice for hard knocks this year. Going to be good? No. No, it's going to underperform. And you know why. Because Aaron Rodgers is going to be on Aaron Rodgers' terms. That whole hard knocks works when those cameras are, like, hidden, right? And you get Jared Goff saying, well, wait, is the sunset? <laughs> right. Right? Like, you, you get some of those younger you star players. I mean, Aaron Rodgers says ridiculous things even when he knows he's on. <laughs> I just tweaked my calf in the uh, little pre-practice conditioning, so I decided to take it. Take a bad day. You're just taking a bad day. Right. That just happens. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, do you really need him? Do you him? think Aaron Rodgers? 26 touchdowns, four interceptions. We had a good season. Ayahuasca, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. MVP. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Was that from his, was that where he was trying to legalize shrooms? Yeah, last week. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe that. Okay, maybe I should check myself. You maybe, sure? Maybe, I'm like, you sure it's not going to be interesting? Well, I just think he's one of those that when he's tried to, like, be puppet, puppeted, is that right, puppeteer, when they try to pull his strings and tell him, hey, you know, let's, let's make for some good TV here, he's like, not on, not on your terms. I do this on my terms, right? And I'm entertaining when I want to be. And I'll say things when I want to say them, not because HBO is here and not because your cameras are on. So that would be my... Mm. Squabble. Now, on the same side, Nathaniel Hackett's there, and we learned last year that 
He's soundbite worthy. He said some of the most he ridiculous does. things. I mean, 45 left hash. That was where we wanted to be, 45 left hash. Still, I'm just so, hoping we get to meet some of, you know, Aaron Rodgers' various girlfriends and stuff. Here we are on the top of Machu Picchu, surrounded by butterflies with the most mind-blowing views yeah. I think I've ever seen. <laughs> Check it out. Some real possibilities ahead of us. That, that was is today's the most Blue 88. Game you've ever played of her. I know. I can, well, she is a Machu Picchu, though. Did you guys, in the heyday, did you ever try to get her on the show? Blue I Bird. don't know whether she would want to come on the show or not. Sure? I, I don't know. I've never, I guess you're right. I've never. I've never really considered uh, whether we should get Blue of Earth on the show. Well, like, not now. I mean, that story's been written. It's over. Oh, it's, it's over. It's not interesting now. No, it wouldn't be good to get her on now. Not interesting. But then now. it would have been good. Huh. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that that's something. You know, it's too bad. And, and I get why Pete and John, and because he's won so much, he doesn't have to, he doesn't fall in that camp of being forced into doing hard knocks like the Jets are. Yeah. But wouldn't it be kind of cool to see John and Pete? Oh, it'd be great. And Pete was like, no way. No. The no. Eagle Medicine yeah. is to zoom way out and to see the intricacies of how everything has played oh out and how everything will play yes. out. And so in the past, a lot of my medicine has been zooming out. Yes, she's, her, that's her medicine, Brock, is, is just zooming out. Is that what out. you took for the colonoscopy? Yes, I just zoomed out, medicine. and the next thing you know, I was fine. They, they, they did everything she, they needed to she, do for is me. Is she a big shrooms? I would imagine just listening to her. I mean, I don't know. I've not. I, I don't know enough big about shrooms, her. Like it's a big like corporate <laughs> big shroom got to her. Well, like, hey, big shroom. Yeah, Justin. the guy that Aaron was doing that conference with yeah. uh, in Denver was also on her podcast a bunch too. No. So I'm sure they're all into. You this. don't say, Justin. This is getting big. Yeah. Like, it is corporate. Yeah. You know that Jake Plummer is doing this full time too. Yeah, oh, boy. he's got his whole big shroom farm. Oh, man. Yeah. Just, the dominoes are falling. That's what Jake Plummer does now? Yes. That sounds perfect. Yes. <laughs> that just sounds out. He's growing. Right on brand. I think he's growing Aaron Shrooms. Really? Yeah, maybe we can get him on the show. Yep. Yeah, we can get blasted out of the ether. Right. And you can receive Christ consciousness codes and see the potential of the human experience. All of those things are options, and maybe they'll all be on Hard Knocks. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> uh, all right, Brock, uh, read an article yesterday that puts the Seahawks in elite company. It also sparks some very interesting conversation. That's next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710, salesports.com.